0: Uh, today's an amazing podcast. We're joined today by Mr. Uh, Eric Pless. He's the owner of the Pless Group. Uh, today's going to be a very special podcast because uh, he's a man of many experiences, a tremendous leader. Um, you, you know, you'd know, you have to hear it directly from the horse's mouth. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: Thank you, Max. I'm great. So it's great to be with you all. And also, like I said earlier, when we started. It's great to be in Florida right now. <laughs> yes,
0: so. absolutely. I can look out my window right now and I see the sun shining. So yeah. uh, definitely, yeah, we got some
1: championship teams here too. So oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> we had so many people that were
0: going out to the parades the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, we couldn't make it, but uh, we've gotten all the pictures. And yes, we are in fact jealous. Everyone that's <laughs> listening, <laughs> happy,
1: happy to be coming from Detroit and having lived with the Lions my entire adult life and child life. It's so
0: nice to see an NFL team that can win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The people from your town are going to disown you, Eric. <laughs> no, we all
1: feel the same way. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> Even Matthew good. Stafford, our great quarterback, just left, is is now going to leave the team, which I, I wish him success in going to a team like Brady did. And hopefully he'll land somewhere where his talents can truly take their team to a high, mm-hmm. higher level where level. he should be at. So. Right. so absolutely, it's good to see. So.
0: Eric, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I'd like to dive thank in you. right away, you know, if it's okay. Take us back a little bit into your childhood. What What did you want to do? What did you want to be? Uh, where You know, obviously, you grew up in Detroit. What was that like? Uh, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your background, your family, and uh, up okay. to date.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, we don't have time. We got time. So, uh, okay, Reader's Digest. Um, so, I, I was born in downtown Detroit. Um, in 1965 a pretty tense time in in the Detroit area um, my family was uh um uh, one of a very few amount of white families living in our neighborhood and uh we were there during the riots of 68 and um wow. we left we left the city shortly after that just for um just cuz it wasn't safe for any really anybody to be in Detroit at that time and um sure. We uh, moved back out to the country where my dad had grown up. Um, I come from a family with 147 years of, of uh, farming and dairy experience. So my dad went back to work uh, at the farm and then we moved to Ohio. So um, went down to be a Buckeye for a couple of years and uh, with a job transfer and then came back to Michigan and pretty much settled back where we were uh, for the rest of my young, young life. Um, as far as uh, family, I've got a uh, you know mom and dad. My dad, my dad passed away back in uh, when he was sixty three, cancer. Obviously, gets lots mm-hmm. of our family members, unfortunate. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. I have I have a, a sister who's my older sister, um, who's a year older than, let uh, 13, thirteen months older than me. And I have a middle brother who's fifteen months younger than me, and a younger brother is five years younger than me. So we got four kids. Um, my uh, um, sister, I didn't know until I was thirty five, because um, wow. my mom, like many like many young ladies when um, when in the 1960s when they got pregnant, and uh, especially in a Catholic family like I grew up in, it was an un- unwed mother was not really a popular thing. So uh, she did the right thing and gave my sister up for adoption and uh, wow. found my, sis- my sister and her foundation. That must have been tough was, for her, for sure. It was very hard. And, um you know, the whole family knew the secret, but me and my brothers didn't. So we had a sister wow. our whole life that we didn't know that lived 35 miles away in Birmingham, <laughs> Michigan, from where we grew up. And, uh, wow. I met her first time at 35 and wow. the first thing she asked me was, how do you feel about this? And I said, well, you know, I said, it's really difficult because, you know, I, I love the fact that I have a sister, but for the last 35 years of my life, I've been the oldest and now I'm middle child. <laughs> 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 so anybody who's a middle child can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so, uh, so, so we, uh, but we all get along great. Um, uh. My father was in sales. My mom was a beautician. We grew up poor. We didn't have any money. Uh, we 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 scraped by, and and but we had a lot of love, and we spent a lot of time in the woods and on uh, on the water when we were kids. Um, and uh, as far as a uh, career-wise, um, I don't really know how it happened, but um, I'm I went in the military at 19 years old after a year of college. And thank um, you for your service. You know, mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Joined joined the army in uh, in 19. Went to Western Michigan for a year. And realized that I needed to grow up, and I needed to get the heck out of Michigan and go see the world. And <laughs> they had a college fund, and it, I, def, I definitely had aspirations to finish my degree, and that was a vehicle to do that too. And then uh, both my brothers uh, became firefighters at 16 years old uh, in our community as volunteers. Um, and uh, when my younger brother turned 18, uh, he went off to the uh, to his school at Michigan State and LC Lansing Community College, uh, got a criminal justice degree, and he became a police officer. So, uh, so needless to say, I got, there's three boys in our family. Um, all of us ended up in uniform. All of us ended up as, as servants awesome. to this country in a different way. Um, I retired in 2015 with 31 years in the Army of active enlisted time. I made sergeant as, a, as an enlisted guy and got wow. out, joined the National Guard after five years in 91. And um, just during Desert Storm, became an officer in the Michigan National Guard. And I retired lieutenant colonel and um had a great had a great career and definitely um, a decorated career absolutely Mm -hmm. thank you you for your service thank you very much and uh my brother my middle brother uh ended up just retiring in august as a fire chief with 35 years of time as a firefighter and my youngest brother's got three years left to go and he's a police chief in the community he works in and my youngest son, my youngest son, my only son is a firefighter paramedic just outside Detroit too. So
0: Everyone is overachievers over there. Huh? So we're, nah. <laughs> we I think we just threw up one to where, I think we watched too
1: much. There was a show back <laughs> when we were kids yeah. called, one, called Adam 12. <laughs> and, uh, I think we watched too much one Adam, Adam 12 and uh, emergency 51. When we were kids and we all just wanted to be. Yeah. I love stuff. those shows. <laughs> so yeah. So it was, uh, but um, you know, so, ultimately, what did I want to do when I was growing up? I really didn't know. And that's one of the reasons why I joined the Army was because um, it's like, why do I want to go to college when I'm not really sure what I want to be? And mm-hmm. I didn't want to just go and work, you know, just go get a job. In the in the 80s, it wasn't, you, you really had to go off to school or do something besides um, just go get a job. There really You had to make money somehow. And so I joined the Army and went into telecommunications and um, uh, climbed telephone poles. And uh, ran cable and wire through buildings and also in the woods and in uh, Texas, Alaska, and all over all over the southeast of uh, the U.S. and Georgia and out in California. And uh, wow. so it was a pretty cool, pretty cool career. Got to do a lot of, as we say in the army, "hooah" stuff. Uh, <laughs> spent, spent more time in the woods than I did in the barracks. <laughs> yes. So
2: bring us up to speed, Eric. How did you transition into owning your own group, class Group?
1: So I, I, um, I did um, National Guard career was parallel to my civilian career. And I've been in, and I'm sure you checked out my LinkedIn profile. I've been in uh, banking, healthcare, IT, credit union executive, um, uh, uh, working in our financial services company, AIG, biggest company in the world, in the insurance mm-hmm. world, as an executive for them for many, many years. And, um, and then in uh, uh, manufacturing, uh, global manufacturing for automation, robotics, and, and battery electric vehicle uh, components. and um and all along
0: the way of um, the future
1: yeah (laughs) well i would say i would say the way of the future for some but not all because if you've ever been to mexico city mexico mexico city (laughs) is never going to have enough electricity to wire all to run electric vehicles for 25 million people right so it's it's practical but i think there definitely has to be a a mixture of things out there for sure so um but for me it was uh You know, I've worked for all these different industries, I've gained a lot of experience. Um, In 2017, I made a decision after I retired from the military. uh, So I had half of my life back uh, after not being in the National Guard anymore and decided that I was moving to Florida um, when my youngest got his job as a firefighter, which that was his goal he was working on. And um, I came down here to start my own. I started my business in Michigan, moved it to Florida in 2019, Um, came here to work for myself. And uh, you guys may have heard of a company called Sandler Training. Um, I, I came down here and I've been a client of theirs for 18 years, uh, in every industry i worked in, I've used Sandler and as my business practice and leading and mentoring my salespeople in their process, been very successful with that. And, um, decided, uh, they, they contacted me and said, Hey, we're, we're looking to add somebody in Tampa and, um, they wanted to add another guy. And so I went to work for them for a year and, uh, it was a great experience but all along in the back of my head, it's like, you know what? I really want to be doing something for myself.
0: Right. I got right. all this
1: experience. Sandler, you are an associate. You build your own book of business. Um, but you're working for a franchise. And, um, you know, it's not the same. And um, so uh, COVID gave me that opportunity to really do some heart searching like so many people have.
0: Sure. And I
1: uh, realized that, you know, deep in my heart, I've always wanted to be my own boss. I have the skills. Uh, I have the experience of what not to do and, and how to do things right and what companies that are terribly run look like and what companies that are really run well look like and Mm -hmm. what great teams are and what terrible teams are and how to take people who other people have written off and polish that diamond and turn them into a super successful person to achieve their goal.
0: I love it. And it's like,
1: well, I can monetize that. So, um, so I moved forward in uh, September and uh, left Sandler and moved on my own. And uh, the last couple of months has been just putting the operational stuff in place, getting some uh, uh, contracts in place with two CEOs that I, have uh, known and worked with in the past. Um, And I'm actually doing some um, market expansion for them right now for their business products in in the banking, credit union, real estate world, as well as the HVAC world. Their products are software products uh, and and, uh, automotive warranty product for credit unions. So I've got a few things in the hopper that are um, gonna start generating revenue pretty soon here. Excited about that. And, um, person
0: that can get it done that's definitely you, <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> you know, uh, one thing one thing that I've, I've learned about um, all military personnel they have this never give up attitude they're mind strong and so if there's anything that can accomplish it uh, that's that's 150 percent you uh, so uh, take us a little bit uh, uh, tell us the vision of uh, the Pless Group and how they are to help Build and scale uh, uh, small oh, to mid-sized it's... businesses.
1: Well, the goal is is to work you know on, on several projects at a time because as you can see, I'm used to working in multiple <laughs> things at once. Um, so I'm not really happy doing just one thing. So engage with um, several projects at a time. Those might end up being the only projects I ever do. Um, I'm going to work till I'm 65 and I'm done because I have my pension with the military and you know earned that. And uh, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life and and dabble and maybe do some volunteer work, but ultimately in the next 10 years for myself, what I want to do is, is um, work with, you know, several CEOs or leadership teams that, that are having issues. Um, you know, most issues in an organization can be solved in six, eight months, um, sometimes a year. And most of the time it's resistance to change. It's scaling issues where, where, you know, leadership teams, some half of, half of them are charging forward, embracing the change. And the other half are digging in and holding on to what they did in the past. And uh, and there's a lot of leaders out there that um, that are in the leadership position, the CEO, that um, were hired to do that job, but they just aren't able to get people to move, and um, and that's a challenge in many organizations. I've seen lots of companies who failed to be creative and innovate that failed, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, and and other organizations that clung to their past and failed, and um, so I think it's um, you know, is having people who I network with who know somebody who ultimately has some issues that they've talked about because business leaders talk to other business leaders and uh, share that. And, you know, engagement with me kind of looks like I come in, we talk about the issues. It's all about a conversation to learn what the problems are. I got two ears and one mouth. I use <laughs> the ears more than I use the mouth. It's not about anything. I don't, I, I have no idea what I can do to help somebody unless they're willing to have a conversation and really be brutally honest with themselves. Um, because most of the time people, are are lying to themselves about what's really happening in their company, especially in the leadership mm-hmm.
2: positions, sure, um, sure. because
1: they're because they're scared that if they don't succeed, they're going to get fired and they lose their security. And if they do succeed, obviously there's big bonuses and all the accolades and recognition. But um, are they succeeding in the right way? Are they empowering the people below them to um, who report to them and who actually do the work to do their best work every single day, or are they just forcing people to do things that? Um, get the results. But ultimately, you got a lot of turnover. Sure. And uh, so I feel, you know, you see a lot of that happening in many organizations. And I think that for, um you know, and especially with now with, um with COVID, it's, you know, here we are virtually. Um, I've told, you know, I've been virtual since 1993, when I was an executive at AIG, and I ran a half the country with a telephone in my car <laughs> and, on, <laughs> and on an airplane. And, uh, and very successful at it. And now we have all this technology. Um, you know, we can do, we can be so effective doing this kind of communication. And I think that was a big struggle for many companies, like you said earlier, Max, that so many people were afraid to let their people go and trust them. But I've always told everybody who's ever worked with me and for me that I've only met four people in my entire life that got out of bed in the morning and went to work and and absolutely hated what they did and meant and meant to do cancerous things in an organization because they were just miserable people.
0: Sure, sure. Everybody
1: else I've ever worked with has gotten up, they're excited, they go to work, they want to do the best job. They want to take care of their family and and and, mm-hmm. and be built up and do a great job. And it's really up to that leader to empower them to be able to do that. Sure. Or to oppress them and shut them down and hold them back because one, they don't they don't want to let them grow because they're doing such a great job the leader's afraid to move them on. Exactly. you have to or, um, or the person is doing a terrible job and it's so cancerous, but they don't want to move them on because they they're too afraid to fire them. You know, and yeah. I was,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: the
1: thing I've always had is, is hire slow and fire fast. Yeah. You know, Yeah, it has yeah to you can't let
2: the way. cancer spread within the organization.
1: No. Yeah. Every, every business I've been in where there was cancer, when we finally got rid of those people, a lot of times I had to do it because I had to, I just, you know, I, I tried to work with them, figured out what the issues were. It was just not a fit. We redeployed them into the civilian workforce and mm-hmm. to do go to going to do something else. And the organization was able to breathe and move forward. And that's, you know, so I, I look for those things and I have a keen eye for finding those problems very quickly. So, so take us
2: to Eric, because I know that you hinted on this before um, about you going through different positions in your life. So you two had before you became an entrepreneur and work for yourself, you had to work for other people. And through those yeah other people, you learned knowledge, you gained a lot of knowledge to use in your current day situation. So talk to, yes, talk to our listeners about how sometimes you have to go through that process in order to get, you know, where they want to be in order to be an entrepreneur so that they too can learn.
1: Well, I think the most important thing to learn is, is anybody working for somebody for a company is, you know, it's not important to be friends with anybody. (laughs) Um, it's really about it's really about to support each other and do and work work well together but that doesn't require a personal close intense friendship with people um i think a lot of the problems that i've seen in organizations is you know where ceos try to become friends with people or leaders try to become friends with people and it crosses the line and all of a sudden you've got somebody who's who now now you don't know what to do
2: right. but um
1: ultimately you know you're going to work for people you don't like mm-hmm. and uh, you got to embrace that you're going to be work for people that you love and you got to learn from them and you got to do everything. You also got to learn from the people you don't like too, because they got where yeah. they are by doing something. Yes, That's right. They uh, did something. That's right. Yeah. So, so, so every single experience you have, and I kind of went, I went through and I actually counted all the jobs I've had since I was 11 years old. I worked in 25 different career fields, 25 wow. different jobs and careers wow. in my lifetime. You and, like uh, my husband.
2: So many, <laughs> so many different things.
1: And every one of them has built upon the other one, you know? Sure. And so, you know, Max, you know, both of you guys, you, you know, you've had other careers before this and, you know, you take those experiences and um, and you round yourself out. And I think the most important thing, I've you know, I've had other um, mentors in the past life, you know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, um, you got to be able to communicate with people. You got to be able to listen. You got to be willing to get over yourself and empower mm-hmm. them to do, to do things. You got to mentor them to replace you or, Or somebody else and and i think um you know most importantly you gotta they they have to they have to want to be um good at what they're doing and they also have to understand math because if you're going to run your own business you got to be good at math and not everybody likes math but you know you don't have to be a finance expert but if you're going to be a run a startup um so when you are in the business world you got to find somebody or at least take a position or two where you got to work in the field where you're doing some finances where you're you know, you're managing budgets, P&L, um, all that kind of stuff. So you can actually gain the experience. So when you do get on your own, you you can at least get yourself started until you get to the point where you need a CFO or a, a bookkeeper to handle that for you. Because I think that's one of the critical pieces that people worry about. And I think that's really important. If you plan to be a, an uh, entrepreneur, then you definitely should should have some experience on the financial side of things, too, and do whatever you can to manage it.
2: Hey, guys, thank you for tuning in once again to Evolving to Power. More ways to watch is on our YouTube channel, and that's at the Clairceus Group. That's C-L-A-I-R-C-I-U-S Group. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Now, if you're interested in buying, selling, investing in real estate, you can give us a call, 863-323-7778. Now, our office is based out of Central Florida, but we can service you wherever you're at. We sell properties from the $50,000 range on up to the million dollar range, multi-million dollar range. So please give us a call. 863-323-7778. It'll be one of the best calls you've ever made. Now let's get back to the show.
0: I'm hearing you circle around leadership and I, and I definitely want to tap into that. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that before we dive into leadership, one of the things that I want to touch based on it, you said it, I don't want to miss it. Oftentimes, leaders are intimidated. Someone is doing extremely well. Uh, Mm -hmm. They want to get all of the credit. This person is outshining them. I find that to be a lack mindset as opposed to a growth mindset because if I'm a leader, my goal is to make sure my pupil or my student does much better than I would. That would give Mm -hmm. me much joy. Talk a Mm -hmm. little bit about uh, the intimidation factor that a lot of leaders or CEOs may feel. And let's dive into leadership. And I'd like to get your perspective on that.
1: Well, I think it's um, it's very similar in both the military and in the corporate world. And that is that, um, you know, as a leader, um, it's, it's hard because so many people have never been taught how to be a leader. So the leadership is more about power. And uh, when you're talking about intimidation... Um, a strong person who's confident, who, who knows what they're doing, who's a quick learner and can go out and execute without having to be babysat or, or told what to do um, is intimidating to their manager in a lot of cases or their leader. because um, and, and I think that's where, that's where the ego gets involved in a lot of businesses because um, people who are intimidated by somebody working for them shouldn't be in a leadership position. They're probably right. promoted. They're probably promoted into that leadership position because they they were either really smart at one thing and they and they got kind of moved up, or um, some people get promoted by the Peter Principle where they get promoted out of their abilities into a leadership position because that's the next iteration for them in their career. But they're not qualified for that, right? Um, exactly. And ultimately, they become intimidated. And not, and and I always see whenever you the true sign of a of a leader who's intimidated is high turnover in our organization. Sure. That's the first thing I look for. <laughs> Absolutely. How many people are going through your organization in twelve to twelve to eighteen months? And if they got a twenty or thirty percent turnover, well, they should be looking themselves in the mirror and realizing that they might be part of the problem. Wow. And uh that's where you gotta have that hard conversation. And that's what I do and I say I'm you know, I'm a trusted advisor because you know I, I cut through the fog and, and the BS of things and get down to what's really causing the issue. And a lot of times it's it's because of their own inability to understand what leadership really is or they have such a huge ego that that nobody can be better than them i mean i'm i remember in in one of my past careers um i was ma- making a lot of money and my entire sales force was and um there were bonus checks that were going to be paid out that exceeded the ceo's salary and the the basically the story was nobody's going to make more money than me <laughs> and guess how guess how many people stuck around
0: not many the
1: best the best sales people left and yeah. uh so you know if if and so that's again right. intimidation people get intimidated because somebody's you know if you've got sales people in your organization they should be making as much money as they can um money. if you want to be an entrepreneur you should be making as much money as you can too right um and and uh you have to have mentors who can um who can share things with you that you can't tell yourself um, but they can have that tough love talk with you and, and really help you um, work through your issues because everybody has them. You know, nobody's per- nobody's perfect. There's no perfect mm-hmm. leader out there. So,
0: yeah.
2: So throughout the group is, go ahead. Within your business. Saying, I've had
1: several times in my career where I was told that I was intimidating to a senior leader. And the only reason why was because I knew what I was doing and and I was doing it and and it was beyond what they knew. And so therefore the skill sets were, um, I was, you know, I just, I was doing a better job than, than, uh, than anybody else in the organization at that time. And it just, you know, it was, it was hard. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I have, I have people that mm-hmm. I mentor and oftentimes, and, and sorry to cut you off, honey, your, your no, question is next, uh, I have people that I mentor and people will approach me and say, Max, you, you shouldn't tell them all of your secret. Hold, hold them back. <laughs> I'm like, why why do I need to do that? I, I need I want them to grow. I want them to become their best self. Whatever that yeah. looks like, I'm mm-hmm. 150% okay with that, right? Because I know myself, I know my abilities, I'm still gonna keep pushing. But you know, it's like a big secret. No, you don't you don't want to share mm-hmm. that piece with them. And right. and realistically find that quite a bit. And so, you know, you you were right on point. Um, uh, you know, leadership is about the ability to trust. I want my people to be the best. I want to be the best. That was well said. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I was going to hand on Thank that you. too, and also ask, what do you look for? Like there are several assessments that some people use, such as the DIST report. I'm not sure if you use that or. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or the communication tools. What's something that you use within um, the group or your business in order to kind of gauge and see where businesses are with leadership qualities?
1: Well, there's two assessments. One is a disc right on um, for personality types because there's only four and everybody fits in one of those buckets. <laughs> oh, um, and and then you know there's a lot of tools out there. I specifically because I have been with Sandler training for so many years, the the Divine um, report is is phenomenal because it has thousands and thousands of different positions that it can do. The you know it's, it's as they say it's your data. You can't argue with your own data when you do an assessment that that really looks at your deep core strengths and weaknesses, and um and that's a that's a, a tool to develop somebody. So you know if I get into a position where I need to do assessments, those are definitely the two that I would engage with and use. Right now, I'm not in I'm not in that in any kind of position right now to need that, but um I would de- I definitely think the Divine is probably one of the best ones I've ever seen. I've seen the um, um got Myers Briggs. Um, there's a P score, there's a bunch of other ones out there that I've seen in the past. And uh, everything, you know, most importantly is you got to look at people and you got to look at what makes them tick. And those assessments are psychological and, and mm-hmm. a performance oriented and since you have to use them. Um, so I think it's critical that you have some tools and that, every, you know, I think a lot of organizations today use those to hire people. But again, the most important thing when you're hiring anybody is not how they perform, how they look on the survey. It's, it's, who they are right in front of you. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes they say, salesperson, the best sale they'll ever make is when they get their job. Uh, sometimes <laughs> the performance afterward isn't up to par with what they sell. That's um, exactly so you have to be careful right. of that. Yeah. And for salespeople, I encourage they'll you do to a accept. song and a dance for you <laughs> in a back <band laughs> <for it. laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's their job. <laughs> so, um, so being assertive is, is very important too. But um, so yeah, I think there's definitely tools out there that are very helpful to leaders to to. Uh, make sure they get the right people. But again, it's, it's interpersonal skills, it's communication skills, it's listening. There's a lot of things that come in there and some of the, the assessments do look at that, but ultimately you got to have a conversation with the person too. So make sure they're a also, fit.
0: Also, Eric, in some of our business, sometimes uh, we've hired the right person, but we've placed them in the wrong place, right? Mm-hmm. Have you, have you, have you experienced that at all? And how do you deal with that? It's the right person, but He's not in the wrong fit. It's almost like having LeBron James uh, uh, playing point guard all the time, right? Or playing mm-hmm. shooting guard all the time. Uh, talk to uh, to the entrepreneurs and leaders of, out there about placing the right person in the right place.
1: Well, again, it's it's a it's a judgment call by HR typically. You know, when they're in them in the leader who's going to be managing that person. But um, ultimately, it, it's really important to recognize that early on because you can move somebody around in an organization if they're not a fit and it's all about communication and it's also about counseling and um i can i can share with you the one thing the military does a heck of a lot better than the the corporate world does is performance counseling on a regular basis um coaching mentoring and performance counseling companies do it but they do it once a year it's a 365 and that's it and and every and and when people are a problem in a company, it's never a surprise to them when it's brought to them. They know.
0: <laughs> right. mm-hmm.
1: They already know. Um, right. And so so the challenge is, is that recognizing it early and going back to being a qual- a quality leader, if you're communicating with your people, if you're not just sitting in your office all day long leading from the office, you know, then you do know um, who's a fit and who's not. And I've moved people around in, org- in many organizations that I've been with. Um, It wasn't a fit. I recognize it. It's like, look, um, this isn't a fit. You're, you know, you're not cut out for this. But we got something else for you. And if you're open to that, we'll move you and we'll train you and we'll, we'll give you the tools to be successful. If you're not open to that, then, as my brother says, bye bye. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because it's, it is, it is at, you know, um, at will, at will employers are in most states across the country. So if it's not a fit, sometimes you gotta let people go. Sure. but um but don't but don't keep them in something that they're going to struggle because if they're struggling they're going to be miserable and if they're miserable go, going back to what alicia says it's cancer eventually and they bring everybody else down with them and I right. think that's the, that's something that we all have to be you know cognizant of so absolutely
2: while we're on this, I know that you had some qualities about leadership that you you wanted to let us know and oh, sure. tell our listeners can you kind of hit mm-hmm. on that a little bit
1: yeah I, so i um I developed this actually when I got my mba. Uh, over in in uh, um stockholm school of economics in uh
0: latvia in sweden um, i'm very I, jealous I, because i was gonna go for my mba but I, I i did i didn't have the you know i i i was a little bit nervous so i i envy you my friend i envy you never too late brother
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i did it at 40 40 47 45 i did mine so you know it's
0: that it was definitely Congratulations. The oldest
1: one in the classroom but you know, there's experience okay. there too. So it's always great. Um, but anyway, for my, uh, I, I was honored enough to be able to give the um, the graduation speech for our class and to all the attendees. And uh, I was asked to give a talk on leadership and, and I came up with what I call the five C's and they are pretty simple, but ultimately these are based on significant leaders I've let, met in my lifetime, both military and civilian who I have, um, some people I didn't like, um, but I still understand I still respected <laughs> right. them because it's all about respect. You know, right. they're successful for a reason. So what made them successful? And here's here it is. One, confidence. In the military, they call it command presence. And, and in the corporate world, confidence, you exude confidence or you don't. You either have it or you don't, is what I tell mm-hmm. people. Um you can't learn confidence. Either you got it or you don't have it. Right. Or you can build it over over a lot of experiences where you fell on your butt and you finally realize hey, you know, you learn a lesson instead of, you know, holding yourself back because of those failures. I think that's where you build confidence too. Um, Competence, really important thing. And what makes up competence is experience, lessons learned by doing, knowledge, continuously seeking self improvement through education. You know, we can never stop learning. When you stop learning, you get rusty. Mm -hmm. Um, Common sense. You're born with common sense say that
0: sense. one again. Please say that common one. Common <laughs> sense.
1: You are born with common sense. You do not learn uh-huh. common sense. There are people out there that are brilliant, but they lack common sense. Yeah. I can I can tell you in the political world, the military world, the corporate world, I've seen it all. There's people who you you can either look at an issue and solve it in an efficient manner, or you can look at an issue and you can't you have no clue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a uh, common sense is something that leaders have. If you don't have common sense, and can't sink yourself, think yourself out of a box or through problems like that, probably shouldn't be standing in front of the whole company leading the company.
0: Right. And that's right. okay. There's yeah. plenty of people
1: out there who make the companies run besides the person in the big office.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, three is character. Uh, character is made up with integrity, doing what's right when no one is looking. Humility, putting the other's needs before yours and lifting them up. Um, the Out of all these things I'm going to share with you today, the most important character of the most successful and the most Influential people on the face of the earth is humility. If yeah. you can't be if you if you can't be humble and put others before yourself, you're gonna have a really difficult time finding followers. Yeah, Jesus was humble.
0: I, I heard Jim Ron. Talk about, <laughs> uh, I heard Jim Ron talk about the difference between charisma and yeah. character. He says that uh, Alexander the Great was one of the most charismatic leaders that ever existed, but today. Alexander the Great is only important to historians. But Jesus Christ, who was the most humble we all know him, thousands of years after his death, people still worship him and still Absolutely. praise him today.
1: Amen. Amen. <laughs> totally agree. Um, honor. Do what you say you'll do and keep your commitments. Accountability. Stand by your decisions and learn from your fathers. And coaching. Mentoring those who you lead to be leaders themselves and empowering them every single day. Wow. Number four is commitment, seeing things through completion. A hundred percent effort equals a hundred percent of of the time. So if if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you got to put the time in. You got to you got to you got to be committed to it. Mm-hmm. Goal oriented, plans for the future, and writing them down. If you're gonna be an entrepreneur and you're not writing your goals down, you're not doing an annual vision board to envision what you want to achieve. If you don't put it out there, it that it might happen. <laughs> but if you, if you tell the universe what you want, a lot of times things work out. Right. And uh, it's about positive, positive mindset, self-motivated. Do you get up in the morning and the first thing you do is make your bed. You've heard the speech, you know, by the Navy seal. Um, I make my bed every day. I always have, you know, that's the first accomplishment of the day. And then I said, then I, I journal and then I go walk and I'm, I'm part of the 5am club. Always have been for a long, long time. It's really important. Um, duty to god country self and others commitment and success I, I had a formula i made up i don't know if anybody's ever made but i just i thought of it success equals roa return on attitude mm. so you're going to be successful if you have a good attitude you do the behaviors and you and you do things that are right for others you're going to be successful um, wow. and you define what your success is it may not be being a millionaire it may mm. just be being really happy at what you do every single day and that's okay right and last of all And most importantly, and we need more of this across the globe and in America, is courage. Stand up, step forward when it's not popular or safe, and be decisive. If you're going to make a decision, be courageous. Make a decision and stick with it. If you fall on your butt, own it. Don't point fingers. Don't blame anybody. Just realize that you made a bad decision, and that's okay. But as a leader, you got to be courageous because sometimes nobody in your company is going to tell you what to do because you're the boss. So ultimately you got to make that decision, but you got to be courageous in your decisions because if you don't take risk, risk equals reward. And you got, you know, you're in the real estate business. I was Mm -hmm. in the commercial lending business. You know, it's, it's all about risk. The people that are that have the money take risks and the people that have successful businesses take risks and they put it all out there and they leave nothing on the field every single day. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. And if you, if they fall, then, you know, they learn from through their mistakes, you know, through challenges come great things
1: pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, brush yourself off and move on
0: <laughs> and keep, and keep so. pushing. And, and and the thing about it too uh, Eric, a lot of people they won't admit it, they're just plain old lazy. They're not willing to, they want success whatever that looks like for them, but they're not willing to put in the commitment. They're not mm-hmm. they they make a uh, new year's resolution a month down the line, two months down the line, it's over. It's it's complete. Mm-hmm. They're not committed. And that goes
1: back to that writing your goals down and envisioning it, changing it when it doesn't happen, you know, because,
0: mm-hmm. I mean,
1: you may envision one thing, you know, like my, my, one of my goals is I want to, I'm a boater, I want, I want to have a center council vote next year. That's, that's my goal.
0: Make now, sure you that send boat, out the that invite. Boat,
1: yeah, that, be, that <laughs> might be as big as Tom Brady's yesterday leading the parade, or it might just be a regular twenty-four foot center. Compo. I have no idea, but right. it, but I, I would I definitely want to have something that's um, that's easier to get around on the bay and out on the Gulf, and so you know I'll make that happen. But it's on my vision board, it's um, and it's in my goals, and and the things that I need to do to get there are on there too. So, and that's people fantastic. don't
2: believe in that. You know, we have vision boards as well, but nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, the visions usually happen. You know, whatever they you put on do, your vision they board, do. your they goals they come true, but people they won't do. even make that effort to even, you know, formulate their goals to even, you know, say, hey, I, I want to do X, Y, Z this year. Instead, of wish and, you know, pray that it might fall in their lap.
1: My mom was uh, part of the reason why we we're probably hyper achievers um, was my mom was pretty tough. But she told me when I was like, I think it was 11 or 12 years old. She goes, nobody got anywhere in life. by hoping, wishing, and dreaming. get out there and do it. And she kicked me out the door and said, go find, go find a job. And I went and found a lawnmowing job and a lady who needed bird cages <laughs> clean. And that's mm-hmm. how I started working at 11 years old, making some cash to buy my own clothes and my own shoes. Cause awesome we didn't have
0: any job. money and awesome. had to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So right. you know. awesome job, mom, Eric, yeah. I- I'd like to t- transition a little bit uh, into the Pless group. So uh, how can uh, companies, how can CEOs, how can small, uh, uh, mid-sized businesses connect with you? And ultimately, how can you help them scale? Okay,
1: so uh, connecting with me, I, I've got a website, plusgroup.com. Uh, it's, it's up as of, as of yesterday, finally, <laughs> been in the process <laughs> right. here. Uh, so I got that up. Um, obviously, you got to have that to be relevant and at least share what you're doing. Um, connecting with me is uh, easy that way via text, via cell phone, via, via my email. Um, as far as how do I help businesses scale? Like I said, it all goes back to a conversation. If somebody listens to this and they're like, "Hmm, this guy's pretty interesting. Sounds like he's got some experience and knowledge that you know," and and maybe they like me, I don't know. But um, ultimately, you know, you got to trust somebody to want to open up to them, and I think that's really important. So if somebody is is uh, is struggling with some issues and and they want to bounce some ideas off somebody, I have no idea if it's going to turn into engagement or not. It's really about having that first conversation, and I. Encourage CEOs to pick up the phone and answer the phone when people call them. Because you know, if if I ever scale my business and I don't plan to do this to have to have salespeople working for me, I would I would. Know, everybody will answer the phone,
0: right? Um, because you right. have
1: no idea what that call is is coming in. It might be a sales call, but you know what? If it's a, if it's a salesperson doing a poor job, you can hear them out and give them some feedback, and say, "Sorry, it's not a fit," and move on. But at least they learn something. You know, right, so right. so I think it's important that, um, you know, as a leader uh, of an organization, you got to pick up the phone. You got to be willing to help help people succeed. And if you're not, then obviously it's not a fit for me either because I want to definitely have good communication and a good relationship with anybody that I work with. So the lines of business that I work with right now are um, anybody in the uh, mortgage business and the mortgage executives, um, EVPs, Lending and Banks, uh, fits my software product that I have um real estate any real estate agency that has 100 agents or more great fit for us what we do on us on our software and crm we we bring new clients we retain your clients and we help six out of six out of ten come back to you for another mortgage that's,
0: that's a big fantastic. deal or to
1: buy another house that's
0: what we do that's fantastic uh
1: HVAC companies anybody in the HVAC business uh, owner of a company that's got at least two to two to four people on the road actually in the houses consulting people um if they want to sell more boxes, as they call it, or if they want to do more maintenance work, I'm the guy that can help them with that. And um, and last of all, if there's anybody that's that's um, reached through VC funding and they're scaling their startup or a small mid-sized business that's scaling and they they're bringing they're going to bring on salespeople, they're going to bring on leadership people. Um, this is a new business for them; they've not done that before, but they're growing fast and they need some help. You know, I'm definitely somebody who can help them with that. And, uh, you know, we can have a conversation and figure out what that looks like. But it's uh, like I said, I'm looking at doing short term engagements, nothing long term. Um, I'm a problem solver and a rainmaker for businesses and have been for a long time.
2: And uh, I get
1: bored after a year and a half myself. So, (laughs) you know, if somebody wants to do something, you know, let's have a conversation about let's figure out what how much time it's going to take, what the issues are, what the result is that they expect. I'll get them the result um you just got to figure out what you know what they're willing to do and and if they're committed enough to be actually doing it
0: so and the thing is eric information is free it mm-hmm. takes absolutely nothing to uh, pick up the phone uh, reach uh out. you know reach out give you a call if it's a mm-hmm. good fit great if not you know it was happy to have met you but uh, right. definitely pick up on the phone bet on yourself today bet on your business bet on your future and uh, definitely reach out to Eric right now. He's he's definitely a, a, a different guy. And, and on his uh, He's a bald
1: guy, right? Good
0: here. <laughs> any any, any, any guy, any guy that's point. bald, I'll tr- I trust him. <laughs> Automa- <laughs> Automatic, if, we, if, if you're bald, I, I, I'll trust you. Uh, Derek, Eric, let's go back a little bit. Uh, what would you have? Um, what advice would you have for your 18-year-old self if you could uh, uh, have a conversation with him today?
1: man, you know what? I, I wouldn't change a thing. Life's been messy. It's been difficult. I've been broke a couple times. I've had more money than I could spend a couple times, but uh, absolutely no regrets because um, I God has a purpose for all of us. And I answer that call when the timing comes, whether it's, you know, I've been fired twice. Because, you know, because I just wasn't a fit in the organization. And I, I did my job. I got them to where they needed to be. It wasn't, it was, there was no more need for me anymore. And I moved on. Mm-hmm. I fired myself a bunch of times too, because That's I didn't fantastic. feel like it had any more value. And it was time for me to move on. So ultimately, I think if you're in control um, and let God, if you let God guide you and 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 yet you're willing to take those risks and take those chances. Yeah, I've never, I, I would never tell myself for me personally get a job and work in that job for that company for the rest of your life. I did that for AIG for 11 years. I had a wonderful career. I loved it. They obviously got in trouble. Many of us left before that. I was one of them saw the writing on the wall um, top in the company. I was in the top 100 in the whole corporation. So it was truly excellent, successful career, but you know, you know, when it's time to go. Right. And, um, and so you got to keep your eyes open, your ears open and be willing to take, take a risk. And uh, I guess, if I told myself anything, I would have taken taken more risks at a younger age than I did.
0: <laughs> I love that's it. probably yes. the
1: thing I. W- that's probably the biggest lesson learned because I would have had my company ten years ago or fifteen <laughs> right, years ago. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. But yeah. I wouldn't have had all the experience I got had I done that. So I guess it's it's you that's know that's true. Don't, yeah. You, you? just never know. So yes. yeah. But so, no change. No changes. I'm I'm very happy with my life and where it's going I, I will tell I, you
0: that's the first time we've heard that on the show, and I love your take on it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, so thank Eric,
2: thank, thank you so much as we wrap up thank you, Alicia. I want you to um, tell our listeners just leave them with a little piece of information. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners to keep them encouraged, keep them motivated, you know, keep them going on their path?
1: I'll say one there's three words that stop people in their tracks from achieving their dreams. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Those are the three most important things you got to be careful of because if you're if you're having if you're in fear or you're doubting yourself or you're uncertain of something, that's what I said. I would have advised myself at 18 to take more risks. Don't Mm -hmm. let those three things get in the way of you becoming the success that you can be because there is nothing standing in your way but what's between these two ears. That's it.
0: That's terrific. terrific. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be with us today and and sharing your vast experience. Uh, Don't be a stranger because we'll connect with you again in a couple of months so we can see uh, what is happening uh we we can keep up with you uh one last question um what do you see uh where do you see your company in the next five to ten years what what, what the reason why we asked that question is we you know we want to sit down maybe review the game tape with you and say hey Eric mm-hmm. actually did say he was gonna do this and look where he is now
1: well i wrote a check to myself on the first day that i started my business for 10 million dollars by the time i was 16.. <laughs> So I got four years and, uh, <laughs> that's my goal is, that's uh, fantastic. Is, yes. is, uh, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to have a business that has generated $10 million in revenue. Um, cause that's a great, in my mind, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great success for me personally. Um, uh, it would definitely help me provide for my retirement and the rest of my life that I want to live out in the travel. That I'm a big traveler. I've traveled to 47 countries in my life already. Uh, so I plan to continue to travel, but I think, um, you know, you got to you got to write yourself a check and you got to hold yourself mm-hmm. accountable for it. <laughs> we and, have the same. And have the goals <laughs> to get there. <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. That's All fantastic. Right. Well, thank you, you know what? Thank you. Much. I'll tell you one last thing. If it's a million dollars or if it's nothing, I'll still be thankful for
0: the lessons that I learned. Yes, that's terrific. Yes. Thank you so much. Once thank again, you so much.
2: This is Evolving the Power, powered by the Claire use Group, which is a real estate firm in Central Florida. To reach us, you can go to com. Or you can call us directly at our office, 863 323 7778, and it's sponsored by Angelized Care and the Clarice Seeds Group. So thank you so much, Eric, for coming on the show. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Max. Very nice. Thank you so, you so much. The wealth of knowledge okay. that you left with our listeners.
1: Thank you. Have a blessed day.